Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Crazy. It's a bad one. It's a blue eyes. Lost four straight and it's a championship game. Is he starting to win money? Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling gods, fickle butt. Oh yeah, so easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. Welcome to the Full Slate Sunday Scaries Podcast, brought to you by our good friends at Blue Wire and Monkey Knife Fight. I'm your co-host, Cody Darwick, joined out in Chicago by my brother, Tyler Darwick. Tyler, after everything, Brady figured out a way to get back. It's insane. Goes to his 10th Super Bowl in his career. Um, the fact that, he, you know, this is his first year with Tampa, a team that hasn't made the playoffs since 2007, gets them right to the Super Bowl in, in a year where they look they don't even look great for throughout games really. Other than the Packer game week six, you know, every game feels like they have like a stretch of offense where they look bad or defense can't get a stop. But credit to him. I know he didn't play great today and he obviously made a lot of mistakes, but to get to ten Super Bowls in your career, there's something you're doing right. Um so it's incredible. He's made the Super Bowl. I saw this on Twitter. He's made the Super Bowl in 10 out of 21 seasons, 48%, which means he's more likely to reach the Super Bowl than Steph Curry is to make a three. He's career 43% from the three-point line. It just is unbelievable. They had the cupcake schedule down the stretch. They didn't look good versus Washington. Um, This game versus... (laughs) <laughs> versus Green Bay. I mean, everything, the stars were aligned for this to be the Packers game. And give the Bucks credit. They went out and absolutely punched this Bucks team, uh, or the, the Bucks pat punched this Packers team right in the mouth. And it ultimately came down to Sunday's scariest moment. If you're a Packers fan, after the game, Aaron Rodgers said he's kind of unknown about what his future means, all this stuff. Who knows what actually happens in the moment. But it's got to be that you've essentially wasted... Again, Aaron Rodgers, like, prime. Yeah, I mean, everyone's posting the stats. You know, he's been playing since 2008 or whatever it is. 
you know, Breeze has been playing in the NFC since 06. They have both have only won the NFC once since Brady's first year, and he's already won the NFC as many times as those guys. So you have to feel like there is somewhat of a wasted opportunity there to go from far for all those years to Rodgers have back-to-back Hall of Fame quarterbacks. Pretty rare. The 49ers had it with Montana and Steve Young, and they were able to take advantage of that with five Super Bowls. For Packer fans, now going into next season, the unknown, are they going to get rid of Rodgers? I don't, I don't know. It's hard to imagine that. The guy's going to win MVP this year. It, you could conversely say this is the peak of his trade value if they were to move on from him and go with Jordan Love, the guy they took in the first round next year. So everyone's starting to speculate that. So for Packer fans, it's a scary moment to know you've had two Hall of Fame quarterbacks in your life for the last like 25 years and now now you don't you don't know what's going to go on so no one feels bad for them but it's definitely a scary moment yeah I mean they they had their chances here Brady turned the ball over a number of times late in this game I think he had what was it three interceptions uh in the second half and on consecutive possessions and they just weren't able to capitalize. They scored a touchdown off the first interception, made it 28-23. Uh, St. Brown dropped. was was an absolute dime from Rodgers. Right in the breadbasket, would have made a three-point game. He dropped it. Bucks threw a pick on the next possession. Um, next two possessions, and it was two three-and-out possessions in a row for this Packers team when it really felt like, okay, this is when the the Packers take a hold of this game. They're at home. There's fans. It's like, all right, this is Rodgers kind of putting the cherry on top of his MVP season, knocking out Brady here. Like, it's a nice nice story, but Brady, maybe father time set in in the second half, and they just couldn't take advantage of it. And this all led up to the Bucks kick a field goal to go up 31-23. The Packers are driving, and they kick a field goal that's absolutely inexcusable. I'm pulling up exactly where they were here. Fourth and goal from the eight. 2.05 to go on the clock. They had three timeouts. You have to – I mean, it's going to be played out on every podcast you listen to today. But you have to – with Rodgers, with Devontae Adams, with Tunyon, with all the weapons they have, you have to go for it on fourth down. Worst case, you don't get it. You have the Bucks backed up, and you're basically in the same situation, and you probably get better field position, right? And you get another chance to tie it up first. Okay, you kick the field goal. Then you still need to stop them, and then you need to score a touchdown anyway. So why not try and score a touchdown when you're on the eight? Let's, let's even back up because obviously that was terrible, but go to the first half of this game, the end of the first half. Packers have the ball down 14-10. to 10. They're like trying to make – trying to get a score at the end of the half, but they're kind of moving slowly. And then Rodgers throws the pick at the end of, uh, or almost before halftime. Looked like Lazard was held a little bit, but we'll get to that, uh, the refereeing. Um, so the Bucks take over. They have the fourth down they end up going for, which is a pretty wild move um, around midfield. They get it. They have no timeouts left at that point. You have first and 10 on Packers 39, eight seconds left, zero timeouts. If you're the Packers, the only thing you can't let someone do is get by you, or you also, you know, prevent a sideline catch uh, from, you know, them getting into better field goal position. Kevin King, what is he doing on that play? Let's Scotty Miller, of all guys, beat him. Not, you know, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, Gronk. Let's Scotty Miller beat him for a touchdown before halftime. 21-10, to 10, that was unbelievable. I could not believe that happened. And the Packers, who have had this great season, number one seed in the NFC at home, how do you let that happen where the fourth receiver on the Bucks? beats you going to halftime. The one thing you can't let happen, 
play far back, let them catch anything in the middle of the field, or incomplete pass, then you're relying on a Ryan suck-up, like 58-yard field goal in Cold Lambeau, which probably isn't hitting. I mean, that was that was horrible. That was a play where, you know, everyone's going to talk about the fourth down, and it gets lost in the game because, obviously, LaFour's decision. But for Kevin King and Mike Pettin, their defense, that's inexcusable to happen to a one seed. And after last year where they couldn't stop the 49ers run game, like Mike Pettin, this defense is just – they continue to make these head-scratching moves in uh, big games. I think it was on the third and fourth play of that drive. I have the, the game log pulled up here. Brady threw a pass that should have been picked off. The guy on the Packers dropped the interception. Then they pick up the first down on the next play, and then ultimately, obviously, the touchdown happened. So there's a couple spots there where if you're a Packers fan, you're just – I mean, that, that was a huge momentum swing because the Packers – I mean, you go down, whatever, 14-10, okay, fine. But the 21-10, and it just felt like, oh, my God, like, is Brady actually going to do this again? And it just kind of felt like that vibe, but he continued to try and give it back, give it back, give it back. Mike Evans did not help him out. He dropped. On one of the picks, it seemed like Brady thought Evans was running a different route and maybe was just a bad throw, but Evans dropped a couple passes in the second half. It seemed like, okay, Packers time, Packers time. They just couldn't pull the trigger on it. And LaFleur not going for it there is just inexcusable, and I would be absolutely furious if I was a Packers fan. Oh, yeah. Um, well, and the Packers also missed their opportunities in the red zone. Even in the first half, when it was 14-7, they had first and goal, and they love force-feeding Devonta Adams, and for the most part this year it's worked, but they tried hitting Adams three straight times, missed him. Alan Lazard was wide open on the third down play, 14-10. Red zone execution killed the Packers, and we saw it, you know, in the last drive. They couldn't get anything done there. Two for four on scoring touchdowns, and this was the best red zone offense in the NFL this year. And I think of all time, percentage-wise, on scoring touchdowns, that's what makes it so unbelievable that they decided to settle for a field goal in that point. And on the third down Rod Rodgers could have ran that ball in, I think. I, I don't know if he would have gotten in, but it definitely makes LaFleur's decision easier at that point because he probably would have at least gotten into the five-yard line. Maybe he scores. It would have been close. But it, it just made no sense for them to kick the field goal in that situation. Rodgers has been so on fire this year. The timing works out where even if you know you don't get it, you still would have been on the right side of the two-minute warning. So it would have worked out that way. Um, and then the field position, because if you don't get it, you're you're out there giving it up on the 80 compared to kicking it off to Tampa Bay and then being around the 25, what it ended up being. So it made no dissent, no sense, indefensible move by LaFleur. And, you know, that could be the last time we see Rodgers in a Packers uniform, which would be pretty crazy. And it's it's a bad mark on him. He's He's lost four straight NFC Championship games, and obviously this one being the first one at home, but it's, it's not great. It's definitely not. I'm plugging on Matt. What's his contract situation? Are you looking at this? Like, is he a free agent? Can't even go anywhere? He's under contract next year. Well, I mean, he one, has, one more, one more year. No, he has three years left. Oh, three, um, three, yeah. But, but you know, their cap's out 2022. They're over the cap. They have some guys that are free agents. So, and you have a guy sitting on the bench you took in the first round. So, if he wanted to get the best value for Rodgers, I guess, and if you're over the cap and you're not going to have a great team, do you want to be paying a 38-year-old quarterback? I know he's been there forever, and he's he makes you more competitive probably than whatever Jordan Love's going to give you at this point, but 
maybe there's another side where you just kind of have to move on and recoup any assets you can get for him at this point because he's coming off a great year. You'd be able to get a couple first-round picks, so maybe that's the move they make. Um, but I just, in the era where everyone is loves talking about the analytics and being aggressive, like, that doesn't even, like, analytics aside, that's just such a dumb decision. Your quarterback has the ball with a chance to tie the game. You're in the red zone. You're probably and, not and your quarter shot. And your quarterback's Aaron Rodgers. Yep. So, a uh, brutal, brutal uh, loss for the Packers, but give this Bucks team credit. I don't really know how they pulled this off. Um, give myself credit. I The two teams I like this weekend, Packers, Bills, both lost, but my only future that hit was uh, Chiefs. Chiefs Bucks somehow somewhere in my the recess of my brain I thought that was a good idea so at least you know that helps make up for my Dak Prescott MVP <laughs> yeah that one's not hitting um, but the Bucks defense like throughout this game you just look around they just have like a bunch of God, studs on that God. team like yeah. JPP was awesome this game and you know he had the hand injury a couple of years ago and everyone was making fun of him rightfully so but. Like, he was awesome this game. He was all over Shaq Barrett. You know, they have Sue. Their linebackers are awesome. Levante Peter Bay was back. Yeah, they have a really talented defense, and it hasn't been amazing all year, as we've talked about. And they've had games where they've given up a lot of yards. The first game where they played the Chiefs, there's been other games where, you know, when they played the Chargers, Herbert was awesome versus them. But they just have that ability to make impact plays, and that's what we talked about on the pick pod versus the Saints they were really opportunistic with the turnovers and converted those to points. Today, you know, Rodgers, uh, they picked off Rodgers, and off the Aaron Jones fumble, they scored right away. So, again, this defense isn't perfect. They're not a lockdown defense um, like we've seen in past years, but they just make big plays, and they have guys who could wreck games. Uh, what's his name? Jordan Whitehead caused the two fumbles. I mean, they were just flying all over the field, and they, again, they might not be perfect, but when they need a play, they're capable of making it, and they got into the Super Bowl, so it's definitely good enough to win. Yeah, they sacked Rodgers five times. Um, it was enough to to rattle him. It's it's crazy, the fact that this is Brady's 10th Super Bowl. He leaves Belichick. He's like, ah, maybe this team will flirt with the playoff spot. It's, I mean, credit to him. This is nuts that he's still doing it at this age. If he wins the Super Bowl, you think he's retiring? I imagine he hangs it up. I know he's under contract for one more year, but, like, what's the point? I, I don't think so. He He's, he's so good. Yeah, I mean, the interceptions were bad. The, the second one, I think, the first one was terrible. The second one, the second one or the first one? The, the throw, like, Evans kept going straight, and I think Brady thought he was going to fade towards the sideline. I don't remember which one that was. Yeah, there's yeah that one was the one that was like when they were driving to kind of put the game away. That over was really middle, bad. Over the yeah, middle. that was that was a bad throw. Um, but yeah, he's he's still good enough. Obviously, I, I think he comes back. He's just so like he's wired differently. He's built different, as the kids like to say in the Twitter streets. You just like look at him on the sideline. He just like looks like a robot at this point. He's is like whole diet and everything. He's he's a weird guy. You see um, the side by side of his headshot for Super Bowl ten Super Bowl. I didn't, but I'm sure it's crazy. I mean, he's just he looks for Super Bowl. He just looks like a kid that's only like drank soda and eating hot dogs and like chips, and now he he looks like how he looks like. He doesn't he doesn't eat tomatoes. 
Um, so he's he's just insane. Like I think he just loves winning so much. And if he does, if he pulls this off, like we saw Favre get to the NFC Championship game that year with the Vikings, uh, Montana got to the championship game with the Chiefs, but no one's like gotten to Super Bowl like this of like the all-time great type quarterbacks in that first year, especially a team that wasn't very good. You know, Payne Manning went to the Broncos and had great success, but they didn't make the playoffs the year before and won a game with Tebow. So he was going into a team that did have a decent infrastructure. Seemed with the Bucks, like I said, hadn't made the playoffs in a while. So it doesn't age well for our boy. No, it's a tough look for Jameis, but I will say – Looking at the box score, Brady throwing three straight picks. I think Jameis could have done the same thing today. More um, efficiently. Pick yes. six, get it back quicker. <laughs> yeah, so it's it's insane that he just keeps rolling at this point. And, you know, I don't know if you heard, Cody, but the Bucks are the first team to host a home Super Bowl. Oh, wow. Yeah, thank you. I'm sure that'll be the first time our listeners heard that, too. Do we think that's going to matter? I don't think it's going to matter. I think it does a little bit from the standpoint of not, like, home field advantage or anything. But usually in the Super Bowl, obviously, the teams travel there the week before and are there. And I know these teams have been traveling all year, but this year or this year um, for the Super Bowl, the teams are only traveling, like, the day before the game or two days before. So the fact that the Bucks get to kind of just relax for two weeks at home and, you know, get right and maybe they get A.B. back and Antoine Winfield Jr. will be a big – um, add back into their secondary. He didn't play today. I think you had those guys healthy. The fact like they'll just be at home relaxing for these next two weeks and the Chiefs are the only team that's to travel, I do think that is a little um, added thing in there that could benefit them. Small. But. Yeah, small. Just because we know like the Super Bowl, the fans' situation will be different, obviously. So I'm not sure that there's going to be like a true home, field, true home field advantage, but definitely, definitely something. Uh, but the late game, uh, Tyler, Bill's Chiefs here. It's Mahomes continues to Mahomes. Um, tweeted it out as, like, it just, like, still, still PTSD from the Super Bowl from last year, him making ridiculous plays on third down. The Bills got off to an incredible start. They're up 9-0 in this one. Uh, Hardman muffs the punt. They punch it in. Tyler Bass misses the extra point. And then the entire game essentially flipped on its head from there. Not directly related to, to poor Tyler Bass, but the Chiefs scored 21 unanswered in the second quarter, um, and it just felt like they kind of controlled this game. The Bills, again, uh, LaFleur got flack, and also, um, what's the Bills head coach name, Tyler? McDermott. Sean McDermott. Yeah, thank you, McDermott. He also gets a ton of flack for he kicks the field goal at the end of the first half instead of potentially going for the touchdown. Does the same thing in the third quarter when he has a chance to cut it even further into the lead. And it's just like you can't – when you're playing the Chiefs, you have to fight fire with fire. And this just felt like the Chiefs literally hit the on switch and they had been in cruise control for the last eight weeks. But when they needed it, they had it. This is I just had I just remembered something going back to the Bucks Packers game I wanted to bring up before we fully go to this game, but the play at the end of the game where the Packers got called for the PI that sealed it basically on that third down. Obviously yeah. the refs weren't calling like holding and everything, so I get Packer fans being upset about the inconsistency there, which is true. But that you can't put yourself in a position where you're relying on the refs and thinking that's what won or lost you the game. You put yourself in that position, you're always going to be at a disadvantage. So I just remembered that. Um, 
obviously it was a PI. He held him. They didn't call those throughout the game, and I get that. But that's not why you lost the game. And if you're putting yourself in a position for a ref making a call, you're usually going to find yourself on the short end of the stick there. You're not wrong. I mean, it was a late flag, but also you watch the video in slow motion. He's yanking his jersey, so I I didn't have any issue with that call. No, I just had to remember that. Um, But, yeah, another game where Coach was super conservative. Like, the Chiefs in the second quarter, as you said, scored touchdowns on three straight drives. They're having no issues moving the ball. You have to score touchdowns to keep pace with them. And the the Bills had a really nice drive to end the first half. They were moving it. They were also wasting time, so the Chiefs weren't going to get the ball back and potentially score again before half. You have to go for it on that fourth down. I know it could be deflating if you get stopped going into halftime, but the difference between being down 12 and 9 doesn't really matter when you're playing the Chiefs. You have to get a touchdown in that situation. So you settle there, and then on their first drive of the second half, they settle for another field goal to cut it to 9. That's just not how you're going to beat this team. It's, It's obvious. Everyone on Twitter says it, but you just have to be aggressive. And the Chiefs' defense, which I feel like always gets criticized, in these big games, they play well, you know, I hate talking about it, but the second half of the Super Bowl last year, they played really well uh, getting after the 49ers and kind of got them back into the game. Today, Josh Allen clearly wasn't himself, and Josh Allen was having moments where he's kind of reverting back to old Josh Allen where he's under pressure, doesn't get rid of the ball. He takes like a 25-yard sack like in Madden. He doesn't throw the ball away when he's running on the sideline. He almost cost them – and then they reviewed it at the end of the first half. Didn't end up mattering, obviously, but he just was reverting back. He was uncomfortable all game. Stefan Diggs ends up with 77 yards, but he didn't really do much today. They did a great job of bottling him up. So this defense did great. They had four sacks, and it felt like they were in his face the entire game. Yeah, they were. Spagnola just, like, dials up the pressure in these big playoff games. Um, he's running for his life. And I agree, he, like, I think Josh Allen thought he could get away from all these guys, and a couple of times he did, and he made nice throws, but set them back a couple of times, taking big sacks. And the bottom line was the, this Chiefs passing offense just could do whatever they wanted against the Bills. I think thought we would get a better performance out of the Bills, that, that they'd play a little bit of play away, uh, keep away here against this Chiefs rushing defense, but they couldn't. Josh Allen was their best running threat. It would have been nice if they maybe had more design run plays, but you look at the the rushing stats, you see, oh, 18 yards, 18 carries for 129 yards, like, that's really nice. But you actually look at what they got from the running backs. So Josh Allen had seven carries for 88 yards, which is amazing. He's all over the place. But Devin Singletary had six carries for 17 yards. TJ Yeldon had three carries for 15 yards. They got nothing from the rushing game in the game where you really needed to keep Mahomes in this high-octane offense on the sideline because Mahomes' stats, again, it's just like every game, it's the same thing. 29-38, three twenty-five, three touchdowns. And it legitimately felt like they didn't know that Travis Kelsey was playing all year like the best tight end in the NFL. And, like, he's been unstoppable. He was just he was wide open the entire game. It felt like any time... Mahomes threw to him. There was no defender within, like, six yards of him. And, I mean, Tyree Kill is insane. The first play to open up the second half, they threw, like, a four-yard curl to him, and he just, like, juked everyone out. He ended up stepping out, but it's just speed compared to everyone else on the field of NFL athletes. is It's insane every week. You know, when they played the Bucks, 
earlier in the year. He had 200 yards in the first quarter, so obviously Bucks, I would assume, are going to have a better game plan this time. But just his ability to get open, like Tredavious White on the Bills, who is an all-pro cornerback, and I think he was first-team all-pro this year, one of the best in the NFL. Hill was just running by him, like, with ease. I mean, this Chiefs offense is just unfair at this point. It's just, it's like Madden. They've hit another level of just insanity, and Mahomes could just get away from any rush. And coming into this game, we thought he might be banged up, but his foot seemed fine. As he's able to, the in the first half, the Bills were able to get, like, decent pressure on him, and they just couldn't, like, get home. And he was, he was amazing. I mean, he's, he's the best player in the league, and he showed it again. Yeah, yeah. The efficiency to which he's able to connect with Tyreek Hill and Kelsey's insane. Like, Hill had nine receptions on 11 targets. Kelsey, 13 receptions on 15 targets. Feels like you kind of have to choose, like, one or the other with those two. Like, you're not going to be able to stop both. So, like, maybe double on Tyreek Hill and try and limit him and let Kelsey go off. I don't really know. I don't really know what you do. Besides potentially play keep away, I guess we'll see if the Bucks have a better uh, shot in the Super Bowl. I saw the look-ahead line for that one. Chiefs are three-point favorites, and the over-under is either 57 or 57.5. So projecting a lot of points. And the crazy thing about this game, too, the Chiefs, they put up 38, and like the last quarter was kind of a wash in the sense like they had to be in a shootout. They could have easily put up 40s maybe even, like, low 50s on this Bills team. They could just do whatever they want. And even at the end of the game when they should have been running the ball more, they just kept throwing because they could. Well, their throwing is, like, most teams running. Like, they're so, it's so easy to them. They run that short out with Tyree Kill or Slan. He's wide open. Anytime Mahomes, like, rolls out right, uh, Kelsey comes back to the middle of the field and is wide open. Just, like, it's so easy for them. It's... If they, like, win the Super Bowl again, it's just, like, I feel like the league's over. And you have to kind of – you feel bad for the Bills. They had a great year. Obviously, a lot to be happy with, but they were tormented by the Patriots with Brady in the division for the last 20 years, and now he's gone. And it feels like this team – you know, this team's going to be back. Allen is really good. He took huge steps in his third year. Now you have to deal with Mahomes and the Chiefs kind of – even above you for the next 15 years. Like, that just seems like another team that's going to be constantly in their way. So Josh Allen, you know, great year. He's going to keep getting better. I think they need to improve at running back. I've said it all year. I do not like Devin Singletary at all. Zach Moss, who was hurt, was like, okay this year. Maybe he becomes their guy, but they need to upgrade there. When you're relying on TJ Yeldon a lot in the backfield, it's probably not a good sign. I didn't even know he's still in the NFL. Yeah, fun fact. So, I don't know, great year for the Bills, but you also have to feel like this is going to be your nightmare for the next 10 years of playing the Chiefs in the playoffs and always being kind of like a, a notch below them. Um, and for the Chiefs, another added element of having a week off and going to Super Bowl, you know, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, he didn't really do anything today, coming back from injury, six carries, seven yards. Like, if he gets healthy too and Sammy Watkins didn't play, he comes back, like, I don't know how the Bucks are going to stop them. That first game, I think, is so deceiving. It was a three-point game. I think the Chiefs were three and a half. They didn't end up covering. But they could, they could have ran away with that game. They kind of took their foot off the gas, and when they needed the, the drive to put away the game, they did. So, obviously, second matchup, a lot of different stuff could happen. But I don't know. Their, their offense, just it's humming on another level right now. 
this that's unbelievable. So Mahomes will play in two Super Bowls before ever losing an NFL game by more than one possession. The last time he lost a game by more than one possession was November nineteenth, twenty sixteen versus Iowa State. Shout out Cliff Kingsbury. Insane. And like for the Chiefs, the game started as you said, they get down nine nothing. Hardman fumbles the punt. And as we know, a fumbled punt in a playoff game can really change things. Um, and then Hardman just comes back, he catches a touchdown, they run that reverse 50 yards. Like, they could just hit you so quickly in so many different ways. And as you said, Hill and Kelsey, he's so efficient passing to them, and no one else had a big game receiving. Byron Pringle had three catches, but they just have so many different ways they can get down the field. Hardman, they run that reverse 50 yards, bang, they're in the red zone. Like, they're just, they're so multiple, so creative. It's It's insane that Another year will go by with um, the enemy not getting a head coaching job because um, this offense is just it's on another level. Uh, I don't know what else to say. So Super Bowl should be entertaining, and there should be a lot of points. Yeah, there's going to be a ton of hype, obviously. The, the all-time GOAT versus the, the new up-and-comer in Mahomes. And, like, I mean, it'll, it'll be fun having it in Tampa, too. That'll be an added angle. And if there is... Any kind of home field advantage, I think the Bucks are going to need every ounce of it versus the way the Chiefs are playing right now. But, Tyler, let's wrap up. Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'll let you get started here. So I think easy choice for Grandpa Billy's bum of the week. Just going to have to say Matt LaFleur. Um, again, not letting Rodgers decide that game for you. You know, Mason Crosby, great kicker, but decisions <laughs> decisions still made no sense. And the Bucks kind of helped them out because on the kickoff, they didn't run run it out to, the, to pass the two-minute warning, gave the Packers mm-hmm. an extra timeout, but it didn't end up mattering. I think any time you're in the red zone in that situation, you have to be aggressive and take your shots. And also, they threw the ball three straight times. Why didn't they try running it on first or second down um, with A.J. Dillon, Jamal Williams? They have good running backs. Aaron Jones was banged up. But the play, I thought the play calling down by the red zone was terrible. You know, all year they've been great throwing in the red zone, but I felt like in that opportunity when you're on, like, the 8 or 9-yard line, like, try running it at least on first down to get some yardage. So he's my bum of the week. I felt like that was just awful coaching. And, you know, two years he's done a great job with that team, but – that's that moment's gonna hang over him for a bit. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Lafleur. You look at the resume: thirteen wins, two NFC Championship games. His first two years as as a new hire. If you're the fan of the team, like, okay, I'll I'll probably take that on paper. But you get blown out last year versus the Forty Niners. The way this one ends leaves an unsavory taste in your mouth. And I mean, you can kind of group him and McDermott together, just coaches being overly conservative when they had the chance to try and go go for the win. You just, ha- you just have to. Uh, in this spot when there's minimal margin of error. Uh, my grandpa Billy's bum of the week. I'm going to college basketball, Tyler. No, I'm not going Archie Miller. That'd be easy to re- repeat. We lost to Rutgers. Incredibly predictable. Um, I'm going Coach K. He, like, went after a, uh, a student reporter who asked him a question about the game, got all sensitive, being like, oh, it's a tough question after a loss. Duke is 5-5 five and five right now. College basketball is incredibly weird probably the most affected sport, in my opinion, from a watching uh, viewer uh, standpoint with no fans. Um, but Duke's 5-5, five five, Kentucky stinks, all these uh, all these teams stink. But Coach K kind of went after the kid and was like, oh, what's your major? And the kid was like, oh, econ. And he's like, well, if you had a tough econ test 
and I asked you immediately after what what your plans were for the future. How would like how would you respond? And I was like, okay, you're being a little sensitive because your team stinks this year. You wanted every team to be in in the tournament because you probably saw this coming. Um, so Coach K, like, pick on a pick on someone your own age. As someone who's struggled in econ before, I could definitely relate to that, uh, not wanting to be asked or anything about it after a test. Um, but, yeah, Coach Kai, I mean, when when he's flying high, everything is roses and he's great. When he loses, he likes to, you know, he likes to bestow lessons on people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when they lost in the tournament a few years ago to Oregon, he's doing that with Dylan Brooks, telling him not to be too showboaty. Uh, when they lost a couple games earlier in the year, he's like, yeah, I don't think we're going to play anymore. Um, it's it's typical Coach K. Things go wrong. He uh, throws these excuses out. He has his back injury. He has something go on. Um, so I'm sure in a couple weeks, Duke will say they're going to stop playing because, uh, you know, concerns of whatever. But, yeah, he, he's the worst. I, I can't stand him. Yeah, it was just like you have this little kid asking you a question because you did just lose a game. I don't know. Deal with it. You know, also having worked in, uh, you know, student radio at IU, I know those are tough, tough rooms to be in a press conference uh, after a game. But uh, just going after him like that, it's just like it's it's so cheap. Like your coach K, this kid is probably like so excited to be able to ask you a question. It's a fair question and nothing crazy. So he's, he's a sore loser. Um, you know, a Duke elite. Nothing uh, shocking there. <laughs> 